And welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Host Matt Daniel with you. Thanks so much for tuning in once again here in the off season. And and if you're listening as per time of recording, we're getting really close to the spring game, April 22nd. So in two weeks from today on the 27th, the uh, next episode of the Bleeding Green podcast will be talking about the spring game. I hope to catch uh, catch a spring practice as well and, and also be at the spring game. And, you know, I there's kind of two dates that I circle in the off season to get to talk about current Bearcat football, one signing day and the other is the spring game. And so uh, excited to talk about um, the spring game and everything coming up and going up there and seeing, yeah, there's lots of questions, you know, to, uh, to be asked and, and uh, you know, we didn't lose a lot of seniors off last year's team, but um, boy, the ones we did were pretty big contributors. So that'll uh, definitely be interesting to see some young guys step up and, uh, and lots of fun stuff, but that's uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks. On today's episode, really excited to welcome in former Bearcat linebacker Cody Mathewson, part of that 2013 National Championship squad, and really what kind of put him on my radar, quite honestly. Um, you know, as so many of the former players, I kind of follow him on social media and things, and of course he's a high school football coach up in Iowa, and uh, is Mathewson's mini helmets, which is Listen, I'm going to share all the links and everything. It's really cool. You got to check them out. They're not overly expensive. They're they're very reasonable, and um, he he recently started doing full size helmets. Um, just just about the time we we recorded this, shortly before that. So uh, we'll talk about that and and all kinds of great stuff. And and uh, anyway, he does custom with anyway. It's really cool. You got to check that out. And uh, anyway, lots to talk about with that and all kind all kinds of memories, of course, with uh, with the Bearcats. And, uh, well, I'm just going to stop talking and get right to it. We'll take a quick timeout. My chat with Cody Mathewson next here on Bleeding Green. Hey, this is former Bearcat Utility Knife Jordan Grove, and you are listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. Go Cats. And welcome in here on Bleeding Green. Proud to be joined by former Bearcat linebacker. He was number 47. It is time at Northwest, Cody Mathewson, who's who's a head coach now. And we'll get into all that stuff, of course. But, uh, Cody, man, thanks so much for taking a little time and, and coming on Bleeding Green here with me. Yeah, no problem. Great for having me. Looking forward to it. Well, it's fun. I mean, it's always, you know, it's fun to relive some, you know, great memories. I mean, heck, we got a national championship to talk about and a lot of, uh, a lot of a lot of good memories. I always like to say there's never a bad time to talk about Bearcat football. We're pretty spoiled with lots of good memories. Yes, there's there's like we talked about earlier. There's uh, there's more than I can count. There's probably some based off uh, our conversations that'll probably come back into light that I forgot about that have been you know memories that have been tucked away for a long time. Well, you're from, of course, up in Iowa, which I know is is where you're at again now. You grew up in in Madrid. Tell me about what anything special about Madrid, um, Iowa. I mean, we were just we were a, a football town, and that you know was really, you know, honestly, what attracted me to, to Northwest down in Maryville was just the 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 feel of it being a a football community, um, and that was something that was very important to me growing up and, and growing up as a, uh, a kid who, you know, a dad who was coaching and, and, um, at the same program where I, where I play high school, he's an assistant coach there for, for many, many, many years. And, uh, you know, Madrid was put on the map by, uh, by football. Um, you know, we were, we were able to, 
have a lot of success and, uh, you know, really just kind of paved my path for the rest of my life, honestly. Um, you know, I've still been able to be able to coach and, and fortunate to be able to be still a part of the game and, and give back to the game has done so much for me. So, you know, my time at Madrid was, was very special. Um, fortunately, like I said, we played for a very successful program and, and we had a lot of success. You know, we're never, never quite able to, to win it all, but, you know, we're, you know, playing in the Unidome and, uh, you know, we, uh, during our time, I couldn't even, oh gosh, I don't even know. It would have been, uh, 2007 was, uh, we went seven to two that year and didn't make the playoffs, which was, you know, still a really good year. You know, seven to two is not a spot every year, but you know, when you, the way that the system was set up, you know, you had to be in the top two of your district and seven and two finished third. And, uh, that broke, uh, snapped a, a 16 year playoff streak. Um, that we were a part of. And then after that, they rattled off uh, my last two years. We were able to play in the semifinals and play up at UNI. And um, I think for the next three years after that, Madrid was also in the, the final four in the state championship. So, um, you know, it, it wasn't a place where losing was very common. So um, being able to go to a place like Northwest, obviously that was very important. Um, you know, I had, some other opportunities, other places, but I, you know, I'd rather go compete for a national championship every single year than, you know, go play on a, um, a sub 500 team. So, you know, it was a pretty easy decision, uh, that day. And, and during my time during the recruiting when coach T obviously was, was still the coach at the time. So, um, you know, I got to experience him as a person and, and enjoyed my time around him. So, um, there's just a lot of commonalities. I mean, I, I don't know. I, it's been a while since I've been in Maryville, but I'm assuming it's still the same. But, you know, the one thing that I truly remember going back to that recruiting visit in the, the spring of 09 was, you know, they got the, the pause painted on 4th Street, you know, as you're coming down and, and they go right into the stadium there. So um, that was just, for some reason, something like something that simple just stuck with me of, of okay, like this is, this is a football town. I felt just like I was at home. Um, and you know what they say when you're in college and or when, when you're, I should say you're in the recruiting process, you know, you're getting pulled so many different directions. And, you know, they say when you know, you'll know. And, you know, I knew right away that that was uh, a place that I wanted to be. So when the opportunity was there and an offer was there, it was pretty much less than 12 hours before I made the decision that I wanted to stay there. So um, my, my kind of, Funny story behind it was, uh, you know, during that time, uh, <clears throat> I was, I was head, hell bent and, and, and bound on, on playing at Iowa State, being 15 minutes from Ames um, and growing up right there. So I, I was getting recruited during the Gene Chizik era, um, and uh, that was the time when he would have gone down to Auburn. I uh, made that change, um, so there was a coaching change and had an official visit at Iowa State and uh, all that got canceled and um, to this day uh, I told I, I, I told a story a couple times uh, a couple people but um, Paul Rhodes who would have been the head coach at that time took over at, at Iowa State he uh, he called my he called me on my visit down to when I was down on my way to Northwest he called me on my way down there um, and left me a voicemail and uh to this day, I don't know what he wanted. I never called him back. I, 
went down to Northwest and loved it so much and committed the next day. And so I, maybe I had a full ride offer. I highly doubt it, but you never know. And, and that's just how so sure I was that I wanted to play uh, for Coach T. Um, and so it was just, you know, little things speak volumes. Um, I, I think my biggest memory and the biggest thing that pushed me to play for Coach T um, and at Northwest was uh, I remember sitting in the, the suite in the press box and um, Coach D, we were watching a, a highlight video on the on the old uh, the old uh, scoreboard before they had the big old jumbo the jumbotron. Um, and I remember Coach D just being you know listening off every single guy. Um, not only was he listening off every guy, he was saying where he's from and, and even talking about you know the kids' parents and the parents' names and, and that just that hit home to me. To, to really know that you know this, these people are really invested in not only just winning football games, but in us as people as well. We, we weren't just objects. Well, you know, going back, you know, to to you know, uh, up at Madrid when you were in school. I mean, you you played what some like five sports in in high school besides football. Was football always your favorite? I mean, I'm guessing it was like you know any other you know smallish town kid in the midwest or whatever the season is that's kind of whatever sport we played but was it uh, was football kind of always your favorite yeah I, I would say i mean growing up it was whatever sport was in the season right i mean every every kid growing up always was like you know i love this sport no i love this sport and and i grew up um you know i, I was in that era where youth sports were kind of starting and youth football and things like that but it wasn't everywhere um so i I didn't i didn't play organized football until i was in seventh grade um no flag football wasn't a thing that kind of came on a few years after i was gone i remember uh i remember being a um a flag football coach that's how we did in our town was the high school kids uh, usually the seniors or juniors or captains would coach you know fourth and fifth grade or fifth and sixth grade flag football on saturday mornings um so that was always really cool to be able to do something like that. But I remember that was when things kind of got started um, in regards to this flag. And then obviously, you know how much force have evolved to being tackled. I'm like, heck, some of these kids are playing third grade and, and that's, you know, not every, I, I, there's just some things that I personally don't believe in, but um, you know, there's just, I didn't, I, I didn't have an opportunity. So I, I don't really have skin in the game, whether it's saying, you know, it's, I like it or didn't like it, but um, yeah, I mean, Five sports, uh, you know, yeah, when you're in a small town, and, and you know just as well as I do, too, going back, <clears throat> you know, things have changed a lot. We're so much specialization, and, you know, kids are two-sport, three-sport athletes, so, um, you know, very rarely do you see a four-sport, five-sport athlete anymore, but you know, I was blessed with a lot of ability and God-given talent to be able to do a lot of different things. Um, I would say probably basketball was my least favorite, uh, but, you know, I was still able to to be able to play um, and start there as, as a freshman. And, and I'm not saying we were good or anything, but that was just who we had at the time. And then um, baseball was kind of my secondary sport. I thought, you know, I, I had a, some opportunities to go do that, but, um, you know, track. And then I, I dual sported golf and track. Um, so I actually didn't run track my freshman year. And then I was just a golfer only, and, and my dad, uh, he was a, 
uh, Division One golfer at UAB down in Birmingham, Alabama. So that was kind of just a sport that I always grew up playing, right? Um, so, you know, I dual sport and then kind of fell into track and uh, went out my sophomore year and, you know, was a, a four a four time qualifier my sophomore, junior, and senior year. And we were able to win a state title my senior year. And, um, you know, football was obviously very successful during my time there. And, uh, um, and I just, kind of did did everything you know i was um very very rarely do you, do you see somebody who do a sports uh um and sometimes you see these days i got a few kids and i'm a head track coach still now too and uh um, i got some kids who do a sport but you know for me fortunately i was i was able to you know be an individual golf conference champion and, and win a state championship and track as well through my high school career so I was kind of dabbling at all. I was getting pulled in a lot of different directions, but um, you know, I was fortunate to have a very supportive family and 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 uh, father who would uh, you know pick me up from golf meets and I would go straight to a track meet right after there. He drive me there and I'd run in the relays and then um, it was just it was busy. But um, you know, we, we just had our focus. It wasn't for me. It wasn't AAU basketball. It wasn't you know AAU baseball. It wasn't you know private workouts. It was I played for my teams. I played for my community. I played for the the the, the name on my chest on the front. You know the Tigers. And then you know I worked my tail off in the weight room and did everything that I could just to be a competitor. And that just kind of shaped me to to who I am today. So um, I tell you what, though, for for a coach. Um, it's so much easier for me to sit here and be understanding and also to have conversations with kids because I had so many different interests. You know, when it comes to football and my football players and when it comes to, to track and my track athletes, you know, I, I ran track, I played golf. I, I have an understanding with my kids who dual sport in golf and track. Um, you know, it, it's easier to push their kids to be a, a athlete in the winter and an athlete in the spring and an athlete in the summer um so because you, you it's one of the things where if you if you're going to talk to talk you better walk the walk and, and fortunately for me i was able to walk that walk so it's easier to compare and contrast the benefits to, to doing multiple sports and being a multiple sport athlete growing up well and on the football field i mean you put up some crazy numbers as a running back um, and I'm assuming probably played both ways. That's usually kind of how, how that goes. What, uh, um, you know, was that, I mean, I mean, obviously you came and played linebacker at Northwest. Were there opportunities to maybe play on offense or did you see yourself as, as, as playing on defense or how, how did that kind of shake out once you were, um, you know, looking at, uh, looking at playing after high school? Yeah, I don't, there wasn't really one preference over the other. I mean, what what seventeen eighteen year old kid doesn't like to to do the stuff to get your name in the paper you know and be on the offensive side and score touchdowns, um, you know for me it was mostly you know what gave me the better opportunity where I saw my future being better at um, you know I was a two hundred and twenty five two hundred thirty pound kid I mean this day and age you don't see a lot of running backs like that you know um, so fortunately for me I was. I was blessed with enough God-given talent to have enough speed and have that size and um, be able to, you know, play defense and, and be a, you know, a 230-pound linebacker. But uh, yeah, there there were there were some opportunities to play um, running back at the other, the next level. 
I wouldn't say that those opportunities were as high as a level um, in regards to, to playing. You know, there's some smaller schools, but um, you know, it was. I, I play. I played in a uh, a triple option offense. Um, so obviously carrying the football and, and doing that in high school was something we did on a consistent basis. You know, we were in the ball 60 times a game and, um, you know, not, not much has changed. That's, that's the same stuff we're running now. And, um, it's just who defined us and, and who we were as people. And we're just hard nosed, tough, tough kids. And, and, uh, you know, so, so when it comes to, you know, preferences, I, I didn't care. I just wanted to play ball at the next level and I just wanted an opportunity to, She'll represent myself and my community at that time. And, um, you know, so I, I can't say I loved one over the other. I, you know, thinking back on it, I, I don't know if I love defense more. But I know as a high school kid, um, you know, when you're a high school ball player, it's, offense is always more fun, right? Because you're scoring the touchdowns, you're getting the yards, you're, you're doing all the fun stuff. But, um, you know, at the next level, I just I just wanted to win. That, that's really all I cared about was winning ball games and, and you know, putting us in a position to, to hopefully, you know, bring in championships. Cause when I came into Northwest, they were on what five, six, seven and Oh eight mm-hmm. were all national runner up years. And then fortunately my, my red shirt year, my first year there, we went back and they ended up, uh, um, winning it all there. So that was kind of no brainer. If you want to win, you went to Maryville. That's what you, <laughs> that's what you did. I mean, yeah, you talk about the success you had in high school, lose six games over your high school career. That's, yeah, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty awesome. Do you have any favorite, I don't know, games, memories, plays from your high school days that kind of stand out? No, I mean, no, not really. I mean, there, there's obviously some games over the others. I mean, there's, there's some, you know, I'm one of those people where the, the losses stick with me more than the wins. You know, I, I can remember every single loss. I can remember every score of those losses, and I can almost recite exactly how every game went. Um, I, I still, to this day, um, even though you know I should probably close the yearbook, but there's there's still you know one game that probably haunts me the most would have been the junior my junior year and uh, the fall of '07. We were an undefeated team, and you know we. I, I, if things would have maybe went a player two differently there, I think we won the state championship. But um, you know, for for me to be able to um, to be in that position, but I, I still remember we played Wapsie Valley, and um, we were kind of well, we were it was twenty one to twenty, and they went eighty seconds and eighty yards, and um, eighty yards and eighty seconds, I should say, and ended up scoring to win that game, and um, I think scored with six seconds to go, and you know. Still, I still remember that play to this day, and you know, I can vividly see it. And I know they they, they ended up winning, going to win the state title. So um, they're not all good memories, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they were just. I, I was fortunate enough, you know. My best memories were just being able to make memories with with my friends, um, you know, guys that as we get older, everybody knows, you know, you wish you you could see more often. And as people grow up, they kind of grow apart and they have families and more responsibilities. But, um, you know, just that's one thing that I love about football so much is looking back and thinking about the sport and any sport in general. But, you know, when you're at the high school level, you're with your buddies that you've been with from day one. And then, you know, as you go to college, you got a locker room full of a hundred guys from a hundred different places. And, 
and different cultures and different backgrounds and, and uh, different beliefs. And at the end of the day, you put all your, your backgrounds aside and everybody's all buying and competing for one common goal. And I think that's, you know, what's so awesome about the sport is it brings everybody together and everybody is able to, to be that brotherhood bond. And those are those at the college level, even at the high school level are just, you know, some of the, the best memories that, that I can recollect and, and look back on. Well, you talked about kind of your, your first impressions of coach T and talking to him. What about coach Bostwick? That's what, what was, what was your uh, first impression of him? Ah, gosh, you know, uh, God, Bostwick was, God, he was a hard headed dude. I mean, what a great dude though. Um, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to, to play for him for, for, uh, a few years there and as a linebacker coach too. So, um, <laughs> the meetings were, were very intense. You know, Boswick had a way of, um, you know, poking at you, but kind of with a smart ass, you know, comments, you know what I mean? Um, you know, he, he always had these, these witty, these witty comments that were, that were just, you know, I always wondered like his, is he serious? Is he pissed right now? And then, um, but at the same time, you know, he, he was able to build relationships with those guys and, and been able to, to, to put us in such a position to just be able to be successful. I mean, um, you know, I played with a lot of good linebackers through the years, um, and had a lot of, a lot of good, a lot of good friends and memories with those guys. But, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, I don't know what would have been different if, if Bostic were alive this day. I wish, you know, he would have had that opportunity to run out of that tunnel that one time um, as the head coach. But, you know, there was, um, you know, that, that that was a tough time as a as, as a kid, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, Bostic was, yeah, he was an awesome, awesome human being, just an awesome man. But, you know, he, he was so competitive, so fiery, and just a, a great assistant coach to Coach Churchma and, uh, um, you know, I, I wish I had more time in, in my whole career to build memories with him instead of the, the short time that, that he was around, unfortunately. Well, you talked about 09 and, and so many guys that, that I've talked to, you know, that, that red shirt year is kind of a year, you know, you build bonds with guys. Heck, there was, there were several of you guys that, um, you know, that end up being around for six years, you know, yeah. that were kind of in that club. And I know some of the guys, um, you know, the, the kind of in your class, yeah. What was that redshirt year for you like? Any any special memories or anything? I mean, obviously on the field, you know, the team wins the national championship, but um, you know, in the weight room, practice field, any anything that kind of kind of sticks out? Yeah, I think it was just you know we were just settling in. I mean, I remember you know scout team is is something that's not for everybody. I mean, when you're when you are a redshirt guy, um, I mean that's that's what you live and die on is is you're going to have to practice hard every single day. And then sometimes you're just going to be, um, you know, I, I don't want to say, um, you know, the guinea pig at times, but, you know, as a red shirt, as a red shirt and a scout team guy, it's, you know, your job is a scout team player is to prepare the opposite side of the ball as best you can to, to get them ready for the game plan of the team that you're going to be playing that week. Um, and, uh, I still I'm a true believer that uh, you know great scout teams make great football programs and uh, um, I, I, it's probably everywhere and even even to this day I mean you know our job was to to go play hard and at the same time as as a as a freshman 
not only you trying to do what the coaches are asking you to do to prepare as the opponent, but also you're trying to make a name for yourself, right? I mean, you're trying to get recognized for the upcoming year. And um, I mean, it doesn't matter where you go. It's always, you're always getting yelled at, you know, for, for some reason of, you know, you make a play and you're the one who is getting screamed at because you did the right thing, but the offense is not the one executing. And, it always falls back. It's your fault. You know, you line up wrong or, you know, they're not going to do that or you know, <laughs> it's just something always, you know, comes up. But, uh, you know, that was, that was one thing that our, our practices were so competitive. Um, but, you know, as, as a freshman, you just, you just kind of got, you just kind of got to, to, to let loose and, and, and just go around and fly around and have fun. And, and, um, you know, yeah, the, the training was different as a redshirt freshman, uh, you know, you, you lifted at different times. You had, you know, uh, you lifted on, on Mondays and Wednesdays. And, and I think Friday mornings, we usually did conditioning just as freshmen together. Um, we had one freshman that didn't redshirt that was taught eight off our kicker. Um, but, uh, um, you know, you got your, your in season fall camp or fall, not fall camp, but fall season inter squad scrimmages with, um, the scout team guys. And, and you kind of just, it was just a fun atmosphere and a fun, fun time. And, and, uh, you know, even though you're a scout team player, the rest of the program and the rest of the guys and the guys in your meeting room still took you on as one of their own. It's not like you felt so isolated of, you know, you're a scout team player. You know, it was always, you're, you're still a Bearcat football player. You're still somebody who, you know, helped out and, and you know, maybe you didn't get the accolades and maybe you weren't in the, you know, on the roster and, and you weren't out there playing for a national championship or on the travel roster or anything like that. But, um, you know, it, it was very, you felt still valuable. Um, and I think that if you can feel valuable as somebody who's not playing in a game, especially, um, you know, through 15 games in a season, uh, that's a long season starting in early August and, and, and playing all the way till, uh, um, you know, mid December, it's just to be able to just be able to show up to practice and enjoy it every single day as a guy who knows you don't get to step foot on a field on Saturdays. I think that just speaks volumes of the Northwest program. Um, and you know, it's just being able to just <clears throat> spend Thanksgiving together and, and being able to be around. Um, you know, I, there's just a lot of, a lot of good memories. Um, gotta, you know, there's some that just are starting to come back as you think about it as, as a freshman. Um, but, <laughs> They, they were definitely, they were definitely set you up for success. They really did. And, and a fall camp was nothing that we ever imagined. You know, you get your fall camps in high school um, that were, you know, usually week long, right? In high school, maybe, maybe a week and a half. And the rules have changed so much with two days. Um, heck, I think when, by the time my career ended, it was, you could only have so many two days in a camp and you can have, you couldn't have back to back two days, but I remember our freshman year, I mean, we were, I think it was almost got it. was probably exaggerating because it felt like, but I, you know, we practiced for almost what felt like two weeks straight. We practiced on Sundays and, um, you know, it was, it was the same thing. You wake up, go to practice, get a little continental, or you would go, you know, get up at 6 30 in the morning. Coach D would do roll call. Um, you know, you get your little continental breakfast. You're, you're trying not to drag your butt into the meeting and you go watch film. You go to practice, you go lunch and you go to practice, go to meetings. And then, um, and then the pancake lady, you know, anybody here is this and knows that the pancake lady always came 
Um, and she had more energy than anybody. And she always came about halfway through camp and we're all dragging our butts. And she was always flipping those pancakes clear up in the air and we got to catch them. And half of us are just like, just put the dang thing on my plate. I'm too tired to try to run around and use this energy to, to, to catch these pancakes. And we'd always eat the pancakes. And I remember my first year, you know, you get three or four pancakes in you. And then I don't know if you've ever had a pancake and then try to go do high exerting practice or some sort of uh, workout or anything like that. But those things sit so heavy in your stomach. And I remember just always feeling like crap after the day. And then as I got older, I'm like, I'm going to have a pancake. I'm not going <laughs> to eat three or four. I learned my lesson. And, you know, I, I think, you know, the guys, I, I don't know if they do that. Um, I don't even know, you know, if, if that business is still around, but that was a pancake lady, man. She, she was something else. Let me tell you. <laughs> Were there guys that kind of helped helped your development along? I mean, you played with a lot of great linebackers in your time at Northwest. I mean, early on, it was guys like, you know, Chad Kilgore and Willie Horn. I mean, was 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 there anybody that kind of took you under their wing as a younger player? Um, or that I mean, you looked yes. up to, or I, I did personally, and, and honestly, you probably didn't even know it until probably a year ago. Um, and that was Billy Bowder. Um, he, you know, was a six-year guy. Um, same thing, you know, he lives, you know, 30 miles from me right now. Um, you know, and, he, and he's, uh, he's married to a Guthrie gal. Um, so, you know, I, I, I've seen him at, uh, you know, birthday parties with family friends we have here now in town and um, at some other events in town um, throughout the time. So, um you know, he was kind of overshadowed and, 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 you know, there's a lot of good players on that team, but, you know, he was one guy that personally, we played the same position. We played that rover backer and, um, you know, he probably never knew it, but those teams that we played on and even looking back to 09, the, and I don't know how it is this day, but I, I really truly believe that the amount of success that we're able to have was because we had so many players coaching other players up um, when they weren't getting their reps. So, for example, you know, the freshmen would go in and we'd do pup or inside or, or um, you know, during scout time we'd do team or skelly or, or whatever it was, some sort of uh, station in the, in the practice plan um, that was set aside. When, when you were out there getting reps, you get reps, another freshman would go in, you know, you get your two or three reps that you're designated to get because they had that all planned out of, you know, it's, you get three reps, you get three reps, and you get three reps, and then you come to the sideline, those older guys would immediately um, be, be giving you some sort of, you know, uh, breakdown or, or some sort of criticism or constructive, uh, or more, like, I should say, not criticism, but constructive criticism or um, advice on, you know, this is what you need to do. You know, here's your drop. Here's where your eyes need to go. Here's what your hands need to do. Here's where your eyes need to be. Here's your keys. And, um I mean, there was just so much of that. And that's what Billy, you know, Billy did a lot for me personally because we played the same position. But again, I just, the success that we had, that was a very, very big part was players coach players. Um, and the coaches were able to focus on, I guess, bigger things and bigger aspects. And the game plans that was prepared to, to win um, in a very, very competitive league because, you know, just as well as I do, at, at uh, the MIAA, there's, there's really no week off. Mm-hmm. Well, so 2010 obviously ends up being Coach T's last season. Um, 
did you guys have a sense of that? I mean, did you just kind of find out when everybody else found out how, how, what, you know, at the end of that season, I, what do you remember? I don't remember. I don't, I know my 2010 year was a little unexpected for me as well. Um, you know, that was, I, I got hurt that year. Um, yeah, that, that's something that, you know, that, that I would think about it. I can vividly still remember that, you know, out at Truman state and, um, I ended up uh, snapping my UCL, my elbow, and having to get Tommy John surgery. And, and, you know, so I was out from week three to the rest of the season. So um, I I don't – there's a lot mentally for me that year that went through, you know, for a guy who's never been hurt before to now having to sit out an entire season with an injury and and having to rehab and get healthy on a a 12-month recovery. So, you know, looking back, I I don't even – I don't even remember how it came to be. I don't remember even conversations. I don't, I don't even recall, you know, what was going on or, or even how it even unfolded. It's, that's that. Yeah. It's, that's something I can't even think of right now or, or even remember, honestly. Well, and then of course, you know, coach Bostwick is the head coach there for a few months and, and, you know, before his unfortunate passing, I would imagine, of course, you're you're still rehabbing, right? At at that point, you know, and, and you got a short yeah. off season anyway, um, with all of that happening, and then you know, Coach Doral gets, um, you know, named the the head coach, and um, what what was that time like? Um, it was it was tough. I mean, obviously, you know, it was uh, you know June June of 2011. Uh, I mean, I still remember to this day what I was doing, where I was at. I, you know, I was actually back home because um, it was over the summer. And, um, you know, I mean, obviously recall the call that I got. And, um, and I remember where I was and, and where I was sitting. And I remember this, you know, to the minute, everything that happened that day or what I was doing that day. So, um, you know, he, he made such an impact on so many people, not just on myself, but, you know, uh, not only was the head coach, but he was also our linebacker coach. So there is even more of that close relationship you had because, you know, you went to practice every day. He was the DC, but then you sat in the meeting room with him every single day through fall camp and, and through fall and then through spring. And, um, you know, his meeting room would go up and watch film. And, and obviously you went to your linebackers coaches meeting room. So there was, there was a more closer relationship that, that we had as linebackers than, than some other people who may have been on different parts of, of the ball or different positions. So, um, yeah, that, that was a, just a tough, a tough break. Um, you know, I, you, that's something you never phone call. You never want to get, um, you know, it's just, it brought a lot of us closer together, uh, in a way, but you know, at the same time, you know, I, I wish, I wish I would have known what, what, what would have unfolded if, if Boswick would have had that opportunity. And, uh, um, you know, but there's, there, there's, you know, things happen for a reason. And, and you know, uh, God works in mysterious ways. And, um, you know, obviously I got to know Chad and, and, you know, a lot closer with him now, um, as I've gotten older. And, and so, um, yeah, it's just been, it was just so, it was just a hard time. It was strange for a lot of us. And, you know, we were all just lost, um, to a sense is probably the best way to put it. Well, and then, you know, the 2011 season happens, you get on the field a, a little bit, 
you know, what was that like for you? I mean, obviously you're at the beginning of the season, you're still kind of rehabbing and was it nice to just get back out there and. Yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, you know, I'll be the first to say, and you know, I'm not afraid to say it. You know, I was just being a little sissy pretty much all the season. Um, you know, I just had, I, you know, I was coming off and, um, I thought I had a pretty successful freshman year. You know, I was getting a lot stronger and, and getting a lot more comfortable and confident. And then, you know, being in the rotation and the two deep as, as a redshirt freshman in 2010 and then having a, a big setback. And then I just remember that whole entire season. And, and it didn't even, it didn't, it wasn't just one season. I just, I was so, I had such a mental block for so long, you know, being so scared to get hurt. I played scared and I didn't play at the level that I could have. And, uh, that that's no excuse. It just, um, hey, it was just one of those weird things. I mean, I if you're not an athlete, you've never experienced it. It's hard to say, but you know, everybody handles things differently. I just I just remember that time. Just you know, looking back, it's like I should have just been. I wish I was just a little tougher on myself in regards to just being. It's okay. I'm I'm gonna be fine. And um, you know, it's it, it was just a weird. It was just tough. But you know, I, I was able to. And I was still, you know, uh, uh, in the two deep, and I traveled, and I was still being able to be a part of the program and uh, playing on special teams and, and getting some reps, um, not as many as I, you know, would have always liked. But at the end of the day, I put myself in that position, and, and I take full responsibility for that. It's not the coach's fault; it's nobody else's fault but my own. And um, you know, it, I just continue to try to, to to work my tail off the best that I could, and, and also, uh, you know know my role you know and that's one thing that again is kind of was the bearcat way everybody had a different role we all took our role very seriously and some guys were starters some guys were backups some guys were scout team players and some guys were special team players and um we were we were never bigger and we always had you know at the end of the day you got to put your ego aside and and like i talked about earlier you all got one common goal and that's to win you know national championships and conference championships and um you know that's i i just had to sit back and and, and just uh, do the best I could to, to put our team in, in my role in the best position to be successful. Well, was, was 2012 different because, you know, obviously, you know, AD and Rich and everybody, you know, including the team, y'all get a full off season together going into 2012. You get a full off season, you know, coming off, um, coming off the injury. Um, did that make a difference for you or, or kind of the feeling around the team going into, going into that next year into 2012? Yeah. I mean, I was able to do spring ball. So that made a big difference, you know, for me personally, um, Hey, you know, winter conditioning and, and obviously, you know, off season lifting and, and being able to be healthier. And then, yeah, I don't even, I think it was that fall of 2012. Is either 2011 or 2012. I don't even remember. They all run in together. Um, during fall camp, I ended up tearing my labrum and my shoulder and then having to play a whole season with a torn labrum. So I battled that. But again, that was something that I'm not going to make an excuse of, of, of where I was at on the depth chart or, or how much playing time I got. Um, and then obviously at the end of the season, I had to get that fixed. So, um, you know, AD was obviously um, – I don't want to say thrown into a spot, you know, it was a job that he wasn't anticipating to have, right. Um, going into the 2011 season. And so, um, you know, he, he obviously ended up 
figuring everything out. And, you know, we, we got a couple of years there where we, we, I shouldn't say we struggled. We we're still really good. Um, but I, I there might've been a year where we maybe were co conference championship champions. And I think one year we didn't win it. If I recall right, one of those years, um, and then, you know, we obviously found our way and you fast forward to 2013 and the rest is history. Yeah. I, I remember the, the 2012 season ends at, at Mankato and it was a game that, you know, yeah. we're down a couple yeah. of touchdowns in the fourth quarter. I mean, the thing I always Locked remember exactly. Yeah. Double overtime losing, losing by three. I mean, I just remember Jordan Simmons playing in a cast and thinking, well, how, you know, what, you know, as a fan, right. Wow. What, you know, <laughs> that dude's really, you know, gutting it out and playing. And I'm, I'm sure there was a, there was a lot of that more than any, any of us will ever know, but did that, I mean, just the kind of disappointment of that being so close. I think they were the number one team in the country at that point. Um, do you remember that providing any extra motivation or kind of driving into that 2013 season? Um, I mean, yes, obviously our goal was to win the national championship. And if we were short, then obviously our goals were still to win another national championship. That, that was always the end goal, but it was always, you know, it, it was always a step-by-step process. You know, we, we wanted to win the first game of the year because if, if you want to win them all, you got to win the first one. Right. And then obviously the stepping stone goal was to win the conference championship and then, um, you know, get a buy and then get a buy and get home field advantage and, and, Post the semifinal game and then obviously playing Florence, Alabama at the time. So, um, you know, it, it was just a baby step goal set oriented type uh, uh, approach that, if I recall correctly, that that's just kind of the, the approach we took. And, and again, you know, I had another step back in regards to having another offseason cut short and having to rehab and, and um, I don't think I did spring ball that year either because I was recovering from a labrum injury. Um, so it was just, uh, for me personally, it was, it was more, there's only so much that I could do, but, uh, you know, I, I know that, you know, going into that off season of that summer, um, things were, they were amped up a little bit, uh, the energy level, just the competitiveness in regards to how practices were set up. And, and obviously, um, you know, you got to tip the cap to one guy that probably doesn't get enough credit is Joe Quinlan and what he does with us in the weight room and in the off season and, and what those guys do because, um, God, he, you know, he's, in my opinion, as I'm biased, but he's one of the best transition coaches in the nation. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't think that's anything nor, any Northwest fan for sure would disagree with. Um, you know, 2013 gets rolling and, and, uh, you know, kind of, um, second game of the year play central kind of like, almost like a coming out party sort of for Brady Bowles of the him and Trevor were, were split, kind of split that a lot over the course of the whole season, but you know, score a touchdown late. It's kind of a little bit of revenge to central and Western, you know, beating both of those teams in 2013 mm-hmm. that had beat you the year before. Um, and I think central was the, I don't think you started the first game of that season. And I think you started all the rest of them. Um, yeah. Yep, if I recall correctly, that's right. Um, now, if I recall correctly, that UCM game, we were down 17-0, if I remember. Um, ended up having to come back in that were, game. Yeah, it was 17 nothing in the first quarter, nonetheless. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I mean, I do, I, for some, again, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, for some reason, I remember the games that were not won by 50, but I remember the games that we had to, to fight and battle through adversity for, the games we lost more than anything. So, don't ask me why. I don't know why I'm that way, but just 
that's just <laughs> I guess the way my brain works. And um, yeah, that was oh my yeah what a what a fun year that was. God. Well, you guys just kind of get on a roll after that. I mean, the pit game at, at Arrowhead ends up being close. How, and that would end up being the last time, um, you know, that the, or at least that that series uh, up to that point had gone on and playing at Arrowhead. Was that always kind of a special? I mean, you know, you're in an NFL locker room, NFL field. It had to be a, had to be a, a special game and special week. Yeah, fortunately, I was able to do it a few times. Um I mean, what that would have been the fourth year in a row we did it, mm-hmm. or fifth year in a row, I think. We've we done it every single year with Pitt State. So, um, you know, the first time is obviously the coolest, right? I mean, you finally get to experience that. And, um, you know, I, I know, obviously, I grew up in a state that doesn't have a professional team. Um, and, and, you know, I had I had been and played in more games in an NFL stadium than I've ever been in person. So, you know, I had played in, you know, Arrowhead Stadium. You know, minus my redshirt season, you know, four other times, um, and I had yet to ever watch a game in an NFL stadium. So that's kind of a cool little, you know, humble brag. That was that was kind of cool to say. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the atmosphere, you know, playing in front of twenty, twenty-five thousand people um, compared to your nine to twelve thousand that you would usually get um, at some other places, and and sometimes on the road, even half of that. Um, you know, not all the places we played had ballings like, you know, we do it in Northwest and now the fan support at those home games there they did a fantastic job every single year. You know, they would, but that stadium, the stadium at Northwest, they did what, 6,500 and there would always be eight, 9,000 people there. So mm-hmm. I don't know where the heck 3,000 people always ended up, but <laughs> it was, there, there was always, they always showed out. I mean, people love their football there. And, you know, that's again, another reason why I love the place so much. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, that would have been, God, I remember playing Pitt State that year and, and John Brown, um, and that team, and, and they were a very good team. If I remember right, you know, they were like sixth or seventh in the nation and we were third or fourth in the nation, um, at the time and they were undefeated. We were undefeated. And, um, we, we all knew that that game had a lot of, you know, I, I maybe, I, I don't know it was never said, but, you know, we kind of all knew in our mind that, you know, that game kind of decided the MIAA championship. Um, and that's not to say that the other schools weren't top tier teams, you know, cause they, they sure as heck work is, you know, like we said, UCM, we're down seven zero. They're, they're always a top tier team in that conference. And, um, you know, but everybody knew at that time it was, it was us in Pitt state. Um, and, and so, being able to go through that and i remember gosh i don't i don't even have a schedule but i remember being on the road i felt like four games in a row or three games in a row where we had to go through a gauntlet there and in october and september late september and you know you could you could call you know i I would say the arrowhead game is on the road right but it's Mm -hmm. still 90 miles from maryville and, and there's still you got just as many fans there as you do at a normal home game but it's, you're not playing on your own home turf and you're, you're not sleeping in your own bed. But, uh, you know, that, that one, that game, I just, remember, that really propelled us, um, in a confidence standpoint. And, you know, I got long anchor and playing with him and, and DJ had a hell of a game that day. And, um, you know, Brady, I, I kind of, I remember him running around a little bit that game and, um, making some plays with his feet. Um, 
yeah, that was that, that was definitely you know one of the most fun games that I was able to play in um, as a player. Um, there, there were some times where it wasn't fun. I remember, uh, you know, playing in that game and, and being out at Rover. And, and I remember um, when they had their back against the wall, uh, they're on maybe the four or five yard line. Um, I specifically remember that if John Brown came to the slot and we were in a certain defense, the safeties were going to check out of it. Um, so that way I didn't have to be manned up on John Brown. And, uh, um, I remember he came out I'm looking around, looking around, we didn't make a check. And I, I think at that point in time, I was already to crap my pants. Um, uh, cause I knew he was just going to probably burn me. Um, and he just came off the line and I just remember just grabbing him. Um, and if I was going to get a holding call, I was going to get a holding call. But, um, Reimer came off on a blitz there and Reimer was able to get to the quarterback and, um, the quarterback tried to throw it away and they might, I think they might have called it intentional grounding or, you know, uh, we ended up, I think maybe getting a safety out of that or, or should have been or, or anything like that. So, um, luckily the ball, <laughs> the ball didn't get off and the eyes didn't get to the, to the next level very quickly. So I was able to probably get away with one there, but, uh, that's, uh, that's my, uh, funny memory of John Brown that, uh, <laughs> oh God, he was a heck of a player. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he had some big, big games against uh, <clears throat> against the Bearcats too. That's for sure. Well, um, like I said, I mean that that's about the only uh, after the UCM game. That's about the only close game that there was, minus playoffs. You just guys just kind of get on this roll and and uh, just kind of steamroll everybody. You know, in, yeah. in the season at Western, you get your revenge on them from from winning the the MIAA title. In Maryville in the last game of the season, the season yep. before, and and uh, take on Duluth and St. Cloud State end up, I think the scores, final scores don't do those games justice, end up, I think, up 28 or 31 to nothing in both of those games. And uh, and some late scores kind of made the scores seem a little bit little bit closer. But um, then, of course, Grand Valley, I mean, that doesn't get any better than that. Grand oh, Valley and Northwest, that, that one, that was, that was probably the first really close game since the Arrowhead game. Yeah, that was uh, that was I, the Duluth one was 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 a tough, just hard nosed game too. I, I don't remember what the score was in that game, but um, I, and I think we were kind of in control most of it. But uh, I mean, they're obviously a very rich tradition and and good program. But that was that was a tough tough game. I, I just remember how physical that game was. Um, but yeah, the Grand Valley game. I don't know if I've ever played the game any cooler than that one either. Um, uh, of course, you know, we, we played in kind of that mid evening kickoff and, um, there's snow piles everywhere. And obviously, uh, you know, by the time you get to, to the final horn that goes off, it's already dark and the sun had already set and you know, the sun had gone under and it's colder than what it was. But, um, God, it was probably what negative five degree wind chill that day. And I'm, as I get older, that temperature probably gets lower and lower, right? Every time I talk about it. Um, but that, that one was a cold game. Um, you know, the chicken broth on the sidelines and the water bottles and, um, standing next to the heaters and, and, and just trying to stay warm. And, um, yeah, that, that was a tough physical game. I, 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 I remember, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, my memories don't come from the plays that I made. My memories come from most of the plays that I got my ass kicked. Um, for some reason, probably because there's more of them than, than there was good plays. 
but I, I just the one thing that I remember in that game is I, we're, we're playing man coverage and the tight end was set down and he released for a pass and I had to go on him but then he was running just a, a false route and they ran a screen behind it and I got off the block and I turned there's a lineman in, in my face and he hit me so damn hard and my chin strap came up and it, it blew open my lip and I had blood everywhere um, and that in that year that I had a really big beard and that's when the duck dynasty thing was big and um, everybody had to fear the beard signs and long hair had long hair and I had long hair um, and, and I don't remember who else we all had big beard Matt, uh, Matt Miner oh god that's a name I said forever miss that kid um, you know he had long hair and the beard we all just had these big beards and hair and I remember coming back to the huddle and uh, um, we had our gray face masks and those white those white helmets or no we were wearing the we were wearing the green helmets. I think the green so, helmets, yeah. yeah so we we had the so. green helmets and the white face mask. Um, and I remember I came back to the middle of the field, and, and, and Donald um, is there, DJ. Donald, as we call him, he, he's sitting over there, and he's looking at me, and he's like, what the hell happened? Like my, He goes, your face mask is just red. So at some point in time during that play, my, my lip basically had blown up from my chin strap, coming up and hit me in the nose, so I got hit so hard. I had blood everywhere, and the blood was freezing in my beard. And the only thing I remember looking at DJ is like, I just got my ass kicked on TV. Like, that's on ESPN. <laughs> the whole world just stopped and get destroyed. And that's all I could think about was the fact, like, oh, my God. Like, oh, everybody back home is going to talk about this. Everybody just saw that. Um, so that's, that's, that's a funny memory. And, and um, to think that that was – what you know? What we talked about on the field at times. You know, it's not always always football oriented, but um, just a fun little memory. Just kind of thinking back on the game. Well, I mean, it's always fun, um, you know, to hear Sweet Alabama playing as the as the goalposts come down. Is I mean, that's of course now not so much, but then that ended up being the last time uh, Northwest plays plays in Florence the next week, but. Um, do you remember, I mean, was it just elation when that, when that whistle hits or was it, Hey, we got another week we got, you know, or kind of a combination of the two. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, you're probably right. Combination of the two. Um, you know, it had been four, four years since we had been back to the national championship. Um, so the, the fact that, you know, we, we had been there. We, we had experienced it um, as uh, redshirt freshmen, you know, when we redshirted. So, um, um, so we were able to experience that, as, you know, as a player. But obviously, as a player during the playoffs, it, it, it's only, I think it was a 52-man roster, a 56-man roster, playoff roster that the NCAA allows. So, um, you know, we, we weren't, we, we were fans in the stands at that time as freshman mm-hmm. um so you know we were the ones out there tearing down a field goal post um when, when when we were when we won um that game in the semifinals in 09 so um to be to be on the field uh and to watch the fans be able to do that um and then immediately be with all your families and friends and your teammates after and, and um just watch the joy of of everybody and the emotions of everybody is one thing that I just vividly remember. Um, 
I think, you know, personally at that point in time, it was, it was just so, we, we weren't thinking about Alabama, you know, the, the, we, we were thinking about Alabama, the fact that we made it, but it wasn't, you know, I don't think at that point in time we knew who we were going to play. I, I don't recall. I, I really didn't care who we were going to play. It was the fact that, you know, for me personally, um, you know, there was a lot of trials and tribulations and injuries and, and things like that, that that I had to battle through personally and persevere um, to finally, you know, get to that pinnacle of a chance to play in a national championship was obviously something that was something that we went there for, right? Something that we had trained for, something we had spent, you know, and had blood, sweat, and tears put in for for us to be able to have an opportunity just to get there. And, um, you know, there's only one team at the end of the year who gets the win win a national championship. So uh, the fact that we had put ourselves in a position to be there um, was, was just an opportunity that, you know, we we, we were just relished in the moment. And, and um, you know, I, I think we probably celebrated with like it too. I, I, you know, remember that. And, and I, you know, going into Alabama the next week after we won it all, that, that celebration um, was, was very, very fun. Well, yeah, you guys beat Lenore Ryan. And again, a game that, pretty much controlled from start to finish and the maybe final score doesn't doesn't quite do it justice but um you know the the cool thing of the family on the um on the journey on the jerseys do you remember um when coach showed those to you or when you guys found out that what the what the jerseys were going to be like yeah um we would have been we were down in alabama at the time today um we went down there on a wednesday if I recall, we practiced Wednesday, Wednesday midday, maybe Wednesday morning. We flew out Wednesday afternoon. We practiced um, Thursday and Friday. And we, we had a bunch of different stuff that we were doing. You know, we went and visited a, a school down there in the community in Florence, and, and and then did some other things, and and just you know, it was just quite the whole experience, right? That that, that was just made from that whole entire trip. But um, I, I think it might have been the day before. I don't know what day it fell on. Um, I I remember being in a ballroom. Um, and, and AD brought us in and, and, uh, um, he had us turn around and, and what we had thought was going to be some sort of, you know, guest speaker that was going to come in and, and, and play a video or, or something like that. Right. Um, and, and one thing that AD said, because the thing, the thing in Maryville, as you know, that every year they play the national championship, um, the names were on the back of the jerseys, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that was always something that they had done and AD um, said, no, I'm not. And we were all excited for it too. Like we wanted our, our names on the back of our jerseys and we all wanted to keep our jerseys after the game. And, um, but uh, you know, that's one thing AD said was, you know, I, I was never going to let you guys ever put your name on the back of the jersey. Or like, oh, well, all right. That sucks. But whatever, we're still playing for a national championship. I could care less about the name on the back of my jersey. Um, and we all turned around and, and you know, he, uh, um, he had Joe. Joe Q was outfitted from from head to toe, helmet on. You know, Joe's all jacked up and ripped, and um, you know he's shredded. It's coming through. You know, his six packs coming through the jersey. Those were so tight, and uh, we all turned around. I remember how ecstatic we were that you know we were going to be wearing those uh, exclusive release uh, Arctic Assault. I, I remember that Arctic Assault uniforms that Adidas made for us. They had the um, the I guess chrome reflective uh numbers on the front and then uh it wasn't until about 10 to 15 seconds later that he turned around and showed us a family thing and that was um 
you know, that, that was something special. You know, it was red, and, and you know, that's that's one thing that you know um, that was special, and, and that red meant more than just uh, in a color. You know, it, it said family, yes, but the red obviously was was the, the Scott Bosick legacy, and um, you know, think things were a lot bigger than for us. We were playing for more than just you know the name on the front. You're playing for you know your family. You're playing for um, the people were putting a lot of time and energy and effort for us to be able to be the program the other day. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was what a cool experience that was, um, that, and, and, you know, just the whole week. Wow. So much fun. I have a lot of memories from that week. Well, and the whistle blows and you guys are national champions. You know, we, we all know, what uh what coach Wright does with you know with the option offense and they be able to make some adjustments and put a few points on the board against you guys but like i said it was the result was never really in doubt what uh you know what what goes through your mind when the whistle blows and and you guys are national champions um gosh i mean i, I don't even know what was going through my mind i was um <clears throat> i remember being on the sideline because the offense was on the field at the time um and some random guy just came up to me. I don't even know who it was, somebody. And he just, I remember he handed me the trophy and I just kind of ran on the field with it. Nobody even knew that the trophy was out there. And <laughs> I don't know how long it was in my hands or got passed off, but you know, it was one of those things where I was fast as I could. I ran on that field with, with the trophy in hand, trying to celebrate with our teammates and, and, and uh, just soak all that in. I'm, I'm sure looking back, I wish I could have slowed things down. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was an emotional thing, you know, I remember, you know, seeing my family afterwards and, and, you know, giving my, my family a big hug and, and, you know, just kind of, again, for me personally, you know, the, the trials and tribulations that I went through and the injuries and, um, you know, I wasn't hurt and I, I wasn't healthy that year either. Um, you know, I was dealing with a knee injury that was more of a tendonitis until a thing that, um, kind of haunted me all year that I was just having a baby and take care of and, and PT and, and do a bunch of different things. And at the end of the season, I'm to have to get surgery on, but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, just what, what, a that's one thing, you know, that nobody will take away from us, you know, that, uh, the fact that that 2013 team won a national championship and, um, it's engraved in forever in our memories and our mind, but also, you know, in, in the program and, um, you know, there's, you could probably ask, there's probably a lot of people this day and even in the program now who have no idea who the hell we are or, or what we did or, or anything like that. Um, you know, but there, there's a lot of guys in that program of, of what Northwest football is about. Um, you know, more specifically with, with a guy like DJ Nader who, who had experienced a lot of you know, injuries and trials and tribulations in his career. And obviously, you know, Donald's no longer with us. You know, that's, that's what the Paul means when you put, the paw on your helmet and when you go out there and you go to battle and you're representing a lot of guys who put that jersey on before you and a lot of guys who um who put in a lot of time and effort and blood sweat and tears and 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 you know there's you know a couple guys that are no longer with us that that we that we will remember forever in our experiences with that so you know when you talk about a national championship um you know i think about the 15 and 0 but you know immediately i go back and i think about my memories with you know uh, a close friend and a fellow linebacker with DJ who, you know, is no longer with us and, and the experiences I had with him. So when I think about Bearcat football and I think about the opportunities that, that we had to, to win a national championship, um, there's some things that are just bigger than the game. And, and so, um, 
that jersey on. That's that's who they represent. It's guys like DJ Nader and guys like Scott Boswick. Well, and um, you know, obviously, t- twenty fourteen ends up, you know, being being your sixth year. I think it was wasn't a DJ sixth year too. DJ and there was there was like a handful of guys, yeah. Uh, Coleman, Adam Schulte. Um, you'd have to probably do some research. It might be a record of most guys who play for six years together if you if you don't get into the COVID year stuff, right? But mm-hmm. God, I, there was I think there was four or five of us that stuck around. But uh, yeah, yeah, we all did the whole six year thing. So um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I should have rode off in the sunset. But maybe I uh, I can never I can never. Uh, living myself knowing that I had another year eligibility and and didn't play and and didn't use it. So, um, I don't regret it. I don't regret it one bit. Well, and was it, I mean, was that year, I mean, obviously 2013 national championship doesn't get much more special than that, but was there something special about, um, you know, about your senior year, especially for, you know, the, the, those of you guys that have been around for the six years and stuck it out. And, and obviously, you know, the season doesn't end the way, you know, you'd want it to or anything like that. But, um, was that season also special? Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you get a chance for another year to play football. I don't know what's more special than that. Right. Um, you know, there's, there's sports in this world and there's things in this life that you can do for a lifelong time. Um, you know, and the football is something that unless you're very fortunate, you can go on and have a long career after that. But, um, there's a small, very, very small percentage of people who get the opportunity to do that. And, um, for some of us, you know, our opportunity was the college portion of it. And, uh, there, there's, there's not a lot you get and there's no fix that you can get from being able to put the pads on and put a helmet on and go out there and play ball. Um, you know, you can do something, you know, coaching gives me a chance to be a part of the game, you know, be an official or, um, you know, so this goes on being some sort of aspect of the game that you can still be a part of, but it, it's never, it's never the same once you don't get to play again. So, um, you know, I, I'm just thankful that, you know, I was able to be able to, to, to finish um obviously they didn't, the year didn't finish the way we wanted it to but you know obviously very thankful and blessed just to be able to have um the opportunity to have one more season with um you know guys that i played with for four or five years and, and the guys that i played with six years too well if you look back too, i mean there's so many guys on that in that 2014 team you know that end up being such a massive part of 15 and 16 um mm-hmm. you know and, and national championships and and, uh, and so I, you know, I think that's, that's pretty special. I feel like that year, um, you know, kind of drove the next two, you know, the, the loss to Duluth where they scored one nineteen unanswered or something in the fourth quarter is obviously, you know, disappointing and, and, and everything, but, you know, I, I don't know, as you look back, I mean, what do you feel like your, you know, that class of you guys, what do you feel like your, your legacy Yes. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I really don't know. I don't know what what legacy we would have left behind the 13 year, or the 14 year, right? Because um, we we were both of them. You know, we we had a six year, but yet all the guys that we came in with that that didn't stay for a six year because of the med red were all gone. So, um, you know, it, it, it was a mixture of both. I I don't know. I mean, maybe 
the fact that our legacy was, you know, we got bouncer in playoffs after winning a national championship, losing the first round, and that maybe fueled the fire of the offseason. Um, you know, I don't know. Once that season kind of ended, it was it was surreal, I guess, in a way of you know, I'm never going to play football again for the rest of my life. Um, so there, there was just it was just an emotional roller coaster, um, and, and and it's hard to put words on because there's not a lot of people who get to experience that as a, a 23 year old kid. You know, most people hang up the cleats and play their last games for the last time in their life when they're 18 year old seniors. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what we did and, and I don't know what legacy we left. Um, but, but I know that, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of, a lot of good guys that I was surrounded by, um, that, that probably left, um, a legacy that, that is still talked about to this day. Um, and unfortunately sometimes we, we don't recognize those people until until they're long gone out of this world. And, um, but, uh, you know, you know, the, the things like, like what DJ did, um, you know, he, he's one guy that, that is just, in my opinion, I, I had a lot of respect for DJ and me and DJ grew up in the state of Iowa, um, played the triangle together and we had a lot of memories and, um, lived together and we were roommates for a few years in college and, um, you know, I keep going back to him because he was just, he, he was a cornerstone for that program for, for, for many, many years. And, and just, um, you know, I, I wish, uh, the legacy that, that he left behind in our program, uh, being just a person, um, and his energy, uh, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, personally what, what that carried over into what we did for the 15 and 16 season. Um, I just know as a team, if I'm part of that program and uh, you get balanced in the first round after winning a national championship the year before, I guarantee you that that next year, that offseason was getting back to the top. And I'm sure um, that loss propelled those kids to go win back-to-back national championships, which is exactly what they did up down there in Kansas City. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, w- I was as I was going back and doing some research, I read an interview that that uh, you had done during your senior year. And one of the things you talked about was, you know, was wanting to coach and wanting to teach. Obviously, what you're doing now, was that something that that you always knew that you wanted to do? I mean, obviously, your dad was a coach. And so there's, um, you know, there's that. But was did you always kind of know that that was in the cards for you? I think so. Um you know, obviously, you know, when I was in school, um, I, I got into the education side of things. It took me a couple of years to figure out what the heck I wanted to do. You know, I was just kind of taking classes here and there. And, uh, you know, when you're 18, 19, getting to 20 years old, it's like, oh, I better figure out what the heck I'm going to do and, and where I'm going to go with my life. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I got into the, the education side of things and I knew I really wanted to coach. Um, and, and so just kind of put all my eggs in that basket and, um, the rest is kind of history. So, um, I knew at high school, uh, when, when my career was all said and done, my playing career is done, I, that I wanted to coach, um, and continue to be in the game. Uh, I didn't know what my, uh, business career would be, but, uh, I knew that, you know, to give me the best opportunity to be able to have the opportunity and the flexibility to coach that, um, you know, obviously being an educator would be priority number one. Um, and so, you know, 
I always enjoyed, you know, the, the physical part of, of the, the process, you know, the lifting, the, um, the exercise science portion of it. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's where I kind of got in the physical education portion. And, um, you know, my focus, I do some PE classes here and there, um, uh, with elementary kids, uh, at, not here and there more or less on a daily basis, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I've been able to, to really hone my craft in regards of, you know, in the lifting world of things with, with our program and our kids. So, um, you know, it, it's been fun. So for, for, to answer your question, I, I think, yeah, I, I think that's what I knew I wanted to do the whole time and, and be able to still be, um, be around the game. I, I don't know. I, I don't think I could ever get away from the game. I, I, I gotta be a part of it somehow, some way. It, it's my fix. Were there coaches that, I mean, obviously you mentioned your dad, I'm sure he's on that list, but I mean, were there other coaches and things that, that were kind of an influence of, I, 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 you know, I want to do that. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, my obviously high school coach was, was a hall of fame coach and, um, you know, I was very fortunate enough to go back to my hometown after I graduated to teach and, and I volunteered coach because obviously they couldn't pay me as a student teacher and, and, um, uh, so I volunteered that fall uh, back home uh, under who was my head coach who had been in Madrid since 89. Um, and, and so uh, unfortunately and fortunately, but um, I was able to coach with him in his last, his last season of his life. So uh, we lost him in, in that winter after that season of, of uh, um, 2015. So um you know, another hard thing, you know, uh, football's brought a lot of loss in my life, but it's also brought a lot more positivity and, and a lot of good things. So, um, yeah, so he was one guy that obviously, that obviously I looked up to a lot. Um, and obviously he stayed to my dad, you know, he was a coach for 23 years and, um, fortunately enough, he's been able to been by my side as I've been the head coach and by my side for five years, um, as an assistant coach, uh, you know, you know, obviously, you know, guys like Scott Boswick uh, was a huge influence on me just from a personal aspect of, of being able to, to shape me as a person, as a young, you know, 18, um, 18 year old kid and, and, and uh, a guy, a guy who's ready to, you know, attack the world and, and it's never wrong and, and just kind of show us the ropes of, of what the college level football is like. So, um, you know, there, there's things that, you know, every coach that I've been around, you know, there's things that I, didn't like and there's things that I love so uh, as I've said in every coach that I've been around you know my coaching philosophy has been almost a hybrid philosophy where I've been able to take things that you know um, my linebacker coaches have taught me and, and things that my head coaches have taught me all the way from from seventh grade to, to my last year in 2014 in Northwest that I've been able to, to pick and plug and be able to create my own personal philosophy to, to hopefully to what I think is is more uh, a respectable program where, where I'm able to coach at. I'm very fortunate to coach at right now here in Iowa. Well, yeah, 2018, like you said, after a couple of years down in Independence, you get the opportunity to to go to go back to Iowa, ACGC, where you're at now, coaching football and track, and and that had to be special. I'm assuming getting, especially getting to go back, you know, close to home. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean we're about an hour from my hometown, um, and about. 35 minutes from my wife's hometown. So, you know, we're out here and, and able to, 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 uh, build a family, um, 
and be able to you know have our our son out here. He's not going to be three here in May, um, and just be able to be very fortunate to be a part of you know the Ada Casey and Jeffrey Center community, and they're just so welcoming. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of work cut out for us to, to get going right away, and um, you know, as you know, just as well as I do, everything in life, nothing comes easy. So, um, fortunately for me, uh, I've been blessed with a lot of great families and a lot of great uh, um, players who, who have bought in and, and listened to our message and have done the things we've asked, um, and as well as uh, you know, assistant coaches who have done uh, a tremendous amount of things outside of of their time with their families to be able to, to help our kids be successful. So, um, you know, I, it, it's taken a lot of different people to do a lot of different things. And, and I'm very fortunate and very uh, proud. And, and uh, it, it's a privilege for me to be out here in Iowa, being able to be a head coach of the Chargers in our program out here in Iowa, Western Iowa. Well, another thing I got to talk to you about is, is your, uh, your mini helmets, Matthewson's mini helmets. How in the world did you get involved um, how, how did that idea come about? Um, gosh, every time somebody asks me this, it's, it's the stupidest <laughs> answer um, because there's there's no million dollar idea. It's not like I was out there on a Shark Tank or, or anything like that. I just um, honestly, uh, to give you the, the short story, um, I, I don't know even how I even wanted to do them. Um, we did uh, an order. Uh, helmets out here for for our program for a little bit of a, um, a fundraiser and, and to help help out a family who had lost a child. So um, we we had done a bunch of orders. Um, I think it was during COVID too. Um, some were people swinging out and picking them up from my house, or, or we weren't. You know, it wasn't the height of COVID. It was. You know, where people were still, we go door to door and pick stuff up, but you know, you weren't allowed to. We were in the school building, if I recall right. Um, and we did that, and it would have been the winter of 2021. Yes, going into 2022. So it was Christmas break, and I don't know where I got the idea. I would just sitting there lounging, watching uh, college football. It was bowl season. Uh, I very specifically remember watching bowl games. And um, I told my wife, I said, you know what? I think we could make many helmets itself. And so I just started doing some research and uh, all the rest is history. That's, that's really <laughs> the best story that I have. There's, there's nothing, you know, over the top about it. Nothing dramatic. It wasn't like somebody came to me with a million dollar idea. Um, and so, you know, we just kind of started out and uh, doing all these helmets uh, for, for some schools around trying to get people to just do them. And we started doing online stores and um, for schools. And here we are just uh, about 14 months later. And we've done about, I don't even know, maybe we're, we're definitely over 150 plus schools uh, in the country. And, you know, we're doing colleges and now you know we've got our own printer out here. We do our decals and, uh, and things like that. And then you know, next thing you know, you got uh, you know CEOs of companies calling you trying to do customized helmets with, with uh, um, their business decals. And, um, you know, we got uh, we got got some helmets here for for a company, Fantasy. Um, 
a fantasy company that uh, Matthew Berry is, is a big part in. So we're doing some full size helmets for, for him. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's been a stupid little hobby that pretty much turned into a what should be a full time gig, but obviously uh, you know still staying in the game of being a full time educator and and, uh, and a full time uh, head football coach and head track coach. Well, and I saw, I mean, what kind of grabbed my attention is when I saw the, the cats ones, um, that you have several, several Northwest and, and I, you know, follow your group on Facebook, Matthewson's uh, mini helmets. Is that the best way to do that through the Facebook group or if somebody's yeah, listening to this, wants I'm, to check it out? Yeah, obviously I'm not, I don't have a website or anything, uh, to that extent. You know, we, we pretty much do all of our marketing and all of our, all of our promoting through, uh, Twitter, you know, same thing, you know, same, same tag and, and Facebook. Um, you know, it's just every, every generation and, and every, you know, person has their interest in social media, right? Um, you know, Facebook is, is set for a certain age group and Twitter, you know, if you grew up in a Twitter face, Twitter might be bigger for a certain age group. And um, then you follow the Instagram, right? Um, I, I don't really fall for that one. And then, um, I can't, I tried it for a little bit and I can't get myself to do it. The TikTok crap, um, <laughs> that, that's big with kids these days, but you know, you're, you're not marketing the kids buying your stuff, right? Um, you know, we're, we're more marketable to the schools and, and it's easier for, for booster clubs and, and every, you know, sports program, they, they got Facebook pages, right? They got Twitter pages. I mean, that's, that's what you do. That's how people promote their, their, uh, um, their, their programs. And so, when it comes to us being able to, to share who we are and, and people being able to share the products we made, you know, it's easy to use Facebook and Twitter to be able to, you know, tag schools in it and they retweet it. And it's just kind of a, a word of mouth from there. I mean, you know, social media can be a very positive and powerful thing if it's used in the right way. Um, obviously there's a lot of negative things, but you know, for us, we just see the power of uh, being able to create, memories and commemorative stuff for people and, and um, you know, even more so where we've gotten into doing, you know, people's businesses. I mean, those are pieces that are going to sit at the bar, sit on the panel. Um, you know, you, you look at, you know, for me, when I look at a Northwest helmet, you know, that, that I, there's a lot of memories that come back with that, right? Um, and, and I hope we can create those same memories for, for a lot of people around the country. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, well, Cody, I, I appreciate your time. I got one last thing for you. The the pick yep. six, just kind of six fun, quick questions. If if uh, you're ready, I'm ready. Okay, I'm, I'm interested to see what these are going to end up being. <laughs> okay. Right. So, uh, well, my my first one's not. Uh, it's always the same. Did you have any pregame rituals? Were you superstitious guy before games? Um. No. Yeah. Like I. Always wore the same undershirt. Um, I, I had a uh, um, a friend pass away uh, going into the 2013 season, um, and it was his shirt. So I always wore that same cutoff. Uh, it was a Northwest one. Um, I still have it to this day. Um, I wear it under my polo uh, or my undergear of every game that I coach in still to this day. Um, not a lot of people know that, but that's that was my, I guess, superstition. But I... I wasn't, I was never a big hype rah-rah guy. Um, so, so for me personally, I was more of a just no headphones, sat in my little cubicle of my locker and just 
was in just focus mode. Um, the one weird thing that I did, um, which I would probably kill my kids, my, my players now if they do it, because I'm so um, specific about, you know, what we wear and how we wear it. And, and I blame that on Northwest, you know, always being matching and, and being unified, right? Um, I don't know why I did it. Um, usually our laundry loop, you know, we wore, we didn't have certain socks we had to wear. We obviously had our team color socks, uh, but our laundry loop would come off and, and you know, when you take your socks off, you just put them in the laundry loop on there. And sometimes they'd be inside out. So, however, I took my socks off on game day, off the laundry loop, however they were, I just put them on. So sometimes my socks would be inside out. Sometimes they wouldn't. I don't know why. That's just <laughs> one thing I did every single time. Um, especially in that 2013 season. Um, but yeah, I, there, I, I didn't do any, I didn't have a, uh, a certain ritual. I ate the same breakfast every time, you know, every home game we'd have, uh, uh, a breakfast we'd go to. I always got the same amount of pieces of bacon, you know, and, and same breakfast every single time. Um, you know, I'd have one cup of coffee and I'd have one orange juice. So, um, yeah, there was some weird things and I'll think back on it now. I'm starting to, recollect but no i wasn't a crazy superstitious person all right second question of the pick six who was the best trash talker that you played with um probably uh dj nader hands down was the best trash talker um i don't know how he came up with some of the things he said i don't even think he knew what he was saying <laughs> and at the time didn't even make sense but dj was so witty and the things would just it was just came natural to them and and half the time uh, they were dumb comments um cody collison was he was a terrible trash talker um he played on the offensive line he was my roommate for a while there um a really good friend of mine uh he would just say stupid stuff but you know he he was just a a grimy nasty player and and you know he probably let his he, he backed it up a lot um, and DJ did too. Obviously, we know DJ's career was a fantastic career. Mm-hmm. Um, I was probably the worst crap doctor. I, I could not talk crap. I probably sound like an idiot half the time I did, so I just kept my mouth shut. <laughs> All right, awesome. Uh, DJ was my guest, so I, I didn't know that for sure, but that's good. That's good to that's good to yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, what uh, third question of the pick six? What do you miss most about Maryville? Oh man. Um, God, if anybody knows this, I miss Papa Chulo's. Um, I don't even think that place. I think it closed down when we were there. Um, it was right over by Jocksmith. Um, and it was a burrito place, and it was always a late-night burrito place. And um, You know, I remember, you know, a night out on town, that was always the place. I mean, they said to start hiring security guards to watch that place after because it was so busy and um, – all for a burrito, and the burritos were so good. Um, I don't know what was so good about them. I mean, they were they would test ponchos and, and Chipotle um, in our neck of the woods. So, um, Papa Chulo's was was fantastic. I think the other big thing that I missed was being able to ride a scooter around a moped and not get made fun of. Um, <laughs> I've talked to my kids about wanted to just buy a moped and ride around and they, the amount of kids who just said they would make fun of me if I showed up to school on a moped and and, uh, mopeds are a lost art. They they are a lost piece of art and and 
their history. And you don't see kids on mopeds anymore these days, but man, that's one thing I probably miss most being able to ride on a moped and, and no one really make it funny because, you know, you, you probably saw in your day too, uh, you know, we, we, we roll two, three deep on those things around town and the classes. We didn't care. We, we, my roommate and I, and one of our friends rode our bicycles to McDonald's one time from, we lived at the apartments North on the apartments, North of campus, the birches. And uh, yeah, yeah, that was the only time we ever did that. But yeah, if we would have had mopeds, we totally, we would have done that more often. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, fourth question of the pick six, Uh, do you have a favorite football player growing up? Um, I would say probably it was Kurt Warner. Um, mostly because that was during the greatest show on turf that era. Um, and obviously being an Iowa kid, you could not be a Kurt Warner fan, right? Um, you know, Kurt Warner was obviously from Cedar Falls, but you and I, um, you know, the whole story, the movie and everything. And, you know, stocking the shelves, the high B and then going to Iowa barnstormers and, uh, then obviously being that Super Bowl MVP, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no better Hollywood story and Hollywood script than Kurt Warner. So, uh, as a kid, that was probably, oh, I was probably 10, 11 years old during that time. Um, but, you know, that that was probably, yeah, the number one guy that I enjoyed watching most. And, and um, you know, now that I'm older, I can pick my teams. I'm a Bears fan, and, and I'm not always proud to say that. But, uh, um, yeah, yeah, I would say Kurt Warner would have been, would have been the dude back then that, that we all loved. Even if, I think every Iowa kid did. All right, fifth question of the pick six. Um, during your time at Northwest, who was your favorite team to beat? Obviously, Mo West. I who did you know? Who did might be my West? Pitt State was up there too. Um, during our time, I, I think the fact that we kind of went back and forth with Mo West and Pitt State, you know, with wins and losses, and, and um, you know, losing Pitt State in the playoffs, and then having to play them, you know, at Arrowhead, um, and then losing them at Arrowhead, and like you said, Mo West beating us at home to win the conference title. Um, you know, there's that Mo West Northwest rivalry, and I think that uh, um, the fact that they had our number a few times too made the Pitt State rivalry even bigger. Uh, so I would say those were those were the two. Uh, I can't say one over the other. Uh, Mo West is always nice just because of the proximity, but um, you know, beating them both every single year felt just as good as one or the other. All right, fair enough. Last question of the pick six: Why number forty-seven? Any significance? To your number? I don't know. So they gave me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I no, there's no significance, and uh, um, I don't know. All the other numbers are taken, I guess. But uh, I, I probably could have changed. Um, I remember EJ Hawkins was 23 um, when I got there, and that was my high school number. Okay. Um, and so EJ was 23, and then Clark Snodgrass took it, which at that point in time, I was like, you know what, 47. I was 47 as a uh, going into the 2010 season. I was like, all right, well, this is my number. I'll just make a name for myself. All my apparel already has 47 all over it. 
So I'm not going to go through, <laughs> I'm not going to go through the hassle of having to change all my stuff and, and wear different numbers and, and have a trail with different numbers on it. So I just kind of made it my own and took pride in it. And that's, that's what I wore. So there's no, there's no glam or big story behind the old number 47. Nice. Nice. Well, Cody, man, I, I certainly appreciate you taking some time for me and, and coming on and, uh, you know, I, I, I absolutely appreciate it and wish you, uh, wish you all the best and who knows, maybe we'll do it, uh, down the road again sometime soon. Yep. yep. I, I appreciate it and I appreciate the opportunity and, and you know, I'm, I'm never going to turn down an opportunity to talk, uh, talk some Bearcat memories and obviously sports football. So I appreciate you, you know, kind of, opening the yearbook and, and letting the, the memories flood in and there's, there's obviously a lot of things I missed. So, so thank you for, for the opportunity for allowing me to, to speak about my time there and the friends and relationships that I was able to create. Hey, this is Sean Paddock, uh, former defensive line for the Bearcats. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. Once a Bearcat, always a Bearcat. And welcome back here on Bleeding Green. A big thank you to Cody Mathewson for coming on and joining me on this week's episode. Lots of good stuff, and and it's kind of amazing. I mean, he's another one of those guys that's under that Coach, uh, Coach T coaching tree. Boy, try saying that five times fast. But, uh, you know, Coach Churchman, not just guys that coached under him, but played under him a massive amount. Or, uh, you know, maybe we hear more about the the guys that are, uh, you know, the... Uh, you know, the ADs and the Lambos and those guys. But uh, there's a ton of guys that are coaching high school and even uh, position coaches in college. So so uh, that's that's a pretty cool thing. He's another one of that. And and definitely go check out Matthewson's mini helmets. The um, He does all kinds of custom helmets. It's really cool. It's affordable, and the quality, I think, is going to surprise you because it did me. They're like replica helmets. Even the mini ones recently started doing full-size ones. And uh, anyway, it's 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 pretty cool. You're going to check want to check that out. As uh, By the time you listen to this, I'll have all those links and stuff up on my social media. But you can just look them up on Facebook, on Twitter, and uh, and he's got all kinds of different options. He's got the cat the cats helmets, which are really cool. I mean, that was the thing that I immediately saw. I was like, Ooh, Hey, and so, uh, go check that out, but awesome chat with him and, and, uh, a big thank you for him to, uh, come on and join me. And, uh, some, some sad news to share with you. I say that tongue in cheek. I know I am serious sometimes, but this time I'm not being serious. Eli, which I'm sure he'll be joining me. I think the plan is for him to come to the spring game with me. So maybe I can get him on here in a couple weeks to do a little off season edition of the Bearcats, according to Eli. But he, uh, um, finally beat me at Madden. I thought I had a couple, couple more years, maybe a few more years to do it. It was kind of fluky. Usually I, I beat him pretty good. And, uh, yeah, but I'm sure he'll bring that up at some point. So just to you know, just to give you the heads up on that, he does play a lot more than I, than I do now. But um, yeah, it was, it was yeah, it was it was rough. <laughs> it was, you know, it's one of those moments. It was. Uh, I'm not much of an athlete, which is why I you know sit behind a microphone. But uh, I would imagine it's kind of like the first time your kid beats you in basketball, something like that. It was in the Daniel House anyway. Hey, if you're a new listener to uh, the podcast or, or recent listener, um, my son Eli joins me mostly during the season with a segment called The Bearcats, according to Eli. Um, if you don't exactly know what I'm talking about, to clue you in there. And uh, lots of great episodes to go back. 
big back catalog of, of episodes you can go check out. Would encourage you to uh, subscribe to the podcast, whichever way you're listening to this. You can listen to it on bleedinggreenpodcast.com or pretty much any app on uh, the Apple Podcasts or, or Google Podcasts or Spotify or pretty much any of those can check that out. would encourage you to share it as well. That's kind of how we're going to grow this thing is that's, that's where you come in. So definitely appreciate all the support and appreciate you listening. And that's going to do it for another edition of Bleeding Green, Bears, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel. Remember, kindness makes a difference. Be kind. And as always, go Bearcats. Bearcats. <laughs>